Hello, and welcome to our first podcast of 2020. As we, the Ethnos community, continue our journey of holistic transformation in Highland Park and New Brunswick, our first series of conversations will be on the topic of God and sex. This week was our series opener, and the discussion was led by speaker Yukon Chu. All right. How are we feeling, by the way, this new year? 2020? Yeah, okay. People are excited. All right. Okay, cool. That's good. That's good. Um, I, know, uh, I know people are still in and out of town, and so I'm glad we're here together uh, as we get going with this new year. Well, um, this new year, uh, we're going to get started with an interesting conversation. Uh, last year, uh, if, for those of you who, who are still getting to know Ethnos or who, who've come a few times and don't know too much about our, our history, we're still a relatively uh, new community here. Uh, we just have been established just over three years here in New Brunswick. Uh, we're kind of coming up on the three and a half, we'll be three and a half years old uh, in March. And so uh, we're still a relatively new community getting engaged with our city, but it's, it's been exciting. A lot of good things have happened. And last year, as we started a new year, we went through a series of conversations about our key values, our key identity markers as a community. And uh, if you're still getting to know who we are at Ethnos, I definitely recommend you to go back online and kind of look through our podcast from that conversation. Those are some really important characteristics that define who we are. But as uh, I was kind of thinking through a new year and what we should talk about and how we could get the new year started, I thought we should go in a little different direction and talk about something that's pretty important to all of us, uh, very relevant to who we are as people, as human beings, and relevant as just people who live in the city. But it's something that maybe uh, is a little uncomfortable to talk about or something that we're not used to talking about in a setting like this. Uh, we're going to get the year started with a conversation on sex. And uh, we're going to get started specifically with a series of six conversations about this topic. Now, why are we talking about this? Well, of course, sex is something that's pretty normal uh, in our lives, or feeling sexual or being sexual is something that's kind of intrinsic to who we are as human beings. Uh, but we're also wanting to talk about this because it's something that obviously it's all around us, not just in us, but it's also all around us as well. It's something we are constantly asked to think about, whether through media or through our friends. But again, it's something that we naturally think about and wrestle with, perhaps, or engage in, perhaps. Uh, some of us are very experienced in this realm of sex. Others of us are very new. Um, and so we thought it would be very important for us to just spend some, time, some, spend some time talking about this very important subject, this very relevant subject, to make sure we get the new year started well as people trying to flourish in our city. Now, of course, when we bring in the aspect of God and Jesus and things like that and think through how they might relate, uh, it gets perhaps a little hazy for some of us. Perhaps some of us have a lot of clarity about how God, Jesus, and sex all relate, relate together. Uh, but regardless of where we are, we will have six weeks to think through this with the hopes that at the end of the six weeks, you and I will be much more, not just informed, but holistically transformed in the area of sex, God, spirituality, and ultimately love. As we look to join in the holistic well-being of our city, we, we hope our city will be a place of great love. And so it's important for us to talk about this. Now, 
to get us started with this conversation, and, and those of you who've been here usually know we have a, a table discussion question. Uh, we're going to have one today, and uh, today we're going to have one that's kind of uh, perhaps controversial. Uh, I don't mean to be sacrilegious in asking us to think about this question, uh, but it's a question that I think will help us think through and begin this process of trying to figure out how God, spirituality, sex, all these things relate, okay? So here's the question. You'll get one minute to discuss. If you feel uncomfortable, I apologize, but I think it's a good question. Here's our question for, to get us started. Do you think Jesus... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think Jesus ever had an erection? Why or why not? You get two minutes, turn to your table partners, let's start talking. So, so I, I'm not going to go around and ask you what you think about this one this time. Usually we do that, but I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do that for um, another question we have coming up, because this might be a little uncomfortable. But I think you can probably tell just by your own personal reactions, and perhaps the reaction of your table partners, that this question gets at the heart of what we think and feel about sex, spirituality, God, and, and how they all mix together, right? Because some of us, as we asked this question, we felt very uncomfortable, like right away. And part of that is because of our culture, perhaps, but also because of certain beliefs. Others of us had no problem thinking about this question, perhaps, because we feel very comfortable or confident in this idea of sex and spirituality. But this question and how we will continue to answer this question throughout our series, I'm going to ask it a couple more times to see how we think and feel differently as our ser series continues. But how we answer this question, I think, says a lot about how we see the, the intersection of sex and spirituality. And so as we get started, our hope is to help us realize that God actually has a lot to say about sex, and God is actually involved in the whole sex thing quite a bit in some really surprising and I think in some really good ways that perhaps we aren't used to thinking about, all right? And so let's get started with our conversation today. As usual, we're going to be looking uh, at this topic from the teaching and the scriptures of Jesus. Uh, we do that here at Ethnos because while we think life and spirituality have a lot of uh, a lot of sources to look to. Uh, we think there's something unique about Jesus and his way of talking about things, his way of teaching, and his own, his own actual life. And so we'll be constantly looking at his life and his teachings through this series. You can, of course, if you don't subscribe to those quite yet, you can bring your thoughts from where you are um, in your spiritual journey to the table, so to speak. But we're going to be taking a look at a couple key scriptures at the very beginning of the scriptures of Jesus to begin this process of informing ourselves how sex, spirituality, God, all these things come together, all right? If you take a look at your sheets on your table here today, 
we have three scriptures, and the first one is from the very first book in the scriptures of Jesus called the book of Genesis, and from the second chapter, the very beginning. In this second chapter, a number of things happen in this second chapter as the scriptures get started. What happens is uh, basically the author tells the story of God and creation and God specifically in creating humanity as we know it today. Now, this is not meant to be a biological or technical reading of creation. Sometimes people get caught up in that, and in your extra study notes, we have some details as to how to understand this piece of work, this literature, written some two, almost 3,000 years ago. Um, it's not meant to be read like a science textbook, so please don't approach it that way. But it is meant to inform us the purposes of how God created the world and the ways in which God meant for things to operate. And so we have some insight into God's vision for humanity in these opening stories. And so let me just read the opening story about the creation of humanity. And uh, again, please don't read it like a science textbook. It didn't technically, biologically happen this way. Uh, again, we have some things in your extra study notes you can look at. But, but let's take a look at the intent, the purpose of humanity. Our, we pick up from the middle of the story, and it says this. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Specifically, in the context, we're talking about a male human being at this point. I will make a helper suitable for him. Uh, the purpose of God up to this point for humanity was to tend to this sacred space called the Garden of Eden. It was meant to be a place where God and humanity would intermingle and God would begin to lay out his plan for the world through this sacred space. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground of all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each of the living creatures, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds, and the sky, and the, all the wild animals. But for Adam, the name of the man, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Again, it's a fascinating story. Please don't read it literally. It's meant to be understood in a certain way. Look at your extra study notes. But then here's, here's when we begin to see a very important note about how God thinks about sex. God continues, or the, the text continues. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, this last sentence is about a number of things, but it is, in a very basic way, about this act of sex about this idea of being one flesh together. And the picture we get of this one flesh union is actually, I think, pretty beautiful, very powerful, and very meaningful to us as human beings. I mean, 
if you've ever had sex or wanted to have sex or thought about sex, there's something about being together with somebody so close as one that kind of drives you crazy, right? I mean, let's be honest. If you're in the mood, if you're wanting it, it's something that's very exhilarating. It's something that's very meaningful. It's something that seems to, quote unquote, complete you. This, this oneness with another physical body, this one flesh sort of union. And not only that, we see that it's not just about like bodily union, not about being in someone, having someone in you, that kind of oneness. But it's also about this idea of relationally being known, fully known, and loved and accepted. And this idea, this last sentence saying, look, they were naked with each other and felt no shame. Again, that's not just about your physical nakedness. It's about something more. It's about this deeper relational, spiritual even, vulnerability, openness, to be fully known and loved and accepted. I find it really interesting, um, personally, as a former sex addict who had to deal with sexual addiction for about 10 years, that when I was dealing with, let's say, something like pornography, that when I would look at pornography, and we're going to have a discussion on pornography next Sunday, by the way, at a luncheon. So if you're someone who deals with pornography, this luncheon will be for you. But when I would look at pornography, what drew me to pornography wasn't necessarily the bodies, but the eyes. And it was the eyes that seemed to communicate to me as someone very broken in my life, someone really messed up at that point in my journey, the eyes would communicate this acceptance, this I am here for you, I want you sort of message. Sex is way more, right, than the exchange of bodily fluids. It's way more than just shacking up so you could get your hormones released. Sex is about this, this being known this being accepted, fully wanted by someone who cares. Now, here's the deal. I realize as we talk about sex, um, while some of us may think of, like, the beauty and wonder and, like, yeah, I remember those great moments or I can dream of those great moments of sex, others of us, of course, have very negative experiences, really broken and harmful experiences of sex. We're going to talk about that in a brief moment, okay? But I want us to think really quickly of the good, the beauty that you've experienced with sex so far in your journey. Two things about those moments. Number one, God created us to experience that. God wants us, in fact, in the right ways to experience that. It's part of this story of how he intended for us to experience life, number one. That's from God. But number two, what's even more fascinating is that that experience of sex, those, those positive, beautiful things you and I have experienced with sex or hope to experience with sex, it actually is supposed to point us to something even more beautiful. 
something even more wonderful. Something, believe it or not, better than sex. And I know some of us, that's really hard to believe. Like, what, what could there be better than sex? Like, really, is there something better than sex? Well, yeah, there is. Let's take a look at this next scripture passage, can we? Because here in this next scripture passage, what happens is there's a linkage between sex and God in a way that perhaps you may have never thought about. This is found, uh, this was written some hundreds of years later in another book in the scriptures called the book of Ephesians. And it's written about, you'll see, sex. It actually references this first story about sex, but it draws a comparison to that sense of belonging and love to God and his love in Jesus. Notice what he says here. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's quoting the, the story that we just read. And then notice this next sentence. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ, to Jesus, and the church. The community of people that follow Jesus. What he's saying here is that sex is meant to be a signpost for this love that God has for us in Jesus, for those of us who follow Jesus. Think about that for a brief, brief moment. I mean, just kind of think about, again, your if you've had sex before, if you're sexually active, your best experience of sex, that moment where you, uh, I'm just going to be blunt here because so we can be just comfortable with each other, you had an orgasm, and it was perhaps one of the best things you've ever experienced. Did you know that that was just a shadow of the love God has for you and I in Jesus? Did you know that that was just a shadow to the love that God wants to continue to have with you in Jesus? It's pretty fascinating, I think. Now, as we think about this, of course, this is, you know, perhaps you're like squirming in your chair. You're like, oh, this is interesting. I'm feeling all sorts of things. Little, 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 you know, I'm not sure what I'm feeling, but uh, that's okay. We'll probably have those moments in this series, and that's okay. Um, but I, but I, think, I think we need to really take a moment to realize a couple of things with this connection. Number one, again, you and I were created for sex. Sex is not a bad thing. But you and I were created for something actually better than sex. And I think some of us just need to pause and let that sink in. Because I have a feeling that many of us aren't necessarily pursuing sex in our life. Yeah, some of us are. But maybe we don't say it so crassly, right? No. We're, but, but, but we are pursuing relationships. We're pursuing love. We're pursuing this, this, this idea of being known, fully known in love. We're looking for that, aren't we? We're looking for that really hard. Do you realize that we're meant to have that? Yeah, with people, but there's a better intimacy 
that we're actually also meant to experience? Could it be that your sexual frustration right now, your sexual desire and maybe unfulfillment is trying to point you to God? Now, let me bring up one more point before we go back into our tables for discussion. I mentioned just a few minutes ago that, of course, the reality is that while this is great and beautiful and like we can imagine this being a beautiful thing, the reality is right here, right now, many of us, if not all of us, feel like our sex has been a little damaged, if not greatly destroyed and disrupted. Some of us have gone through sexual abuse, rape, been touched in ways we shouldn't have been touched. Some of us have biological issues that prevent us from enjoying sex. Some of us have been rejected in sex. Perhaps when we were dating, even as, as a married spouse, you've been rejected in your marriage, perhaps a lot. And it, you, you feel hurt, you feel broken. Some of us in our journey, we've, we've never been able to have sex because we just can't seem to connect with people well. And so let's be honest, the reality is that things aren't the way we wish they would be in the area of sex. Now, the interesting thing about the scriptures of Jesus is Jesus is very clear about this as well. And even in these opening stories, the scriptures are clear that this is the case because at a certain point in time, humanity, we, while we knew God and, and began to accept his beautiful vision and plan for our lives, there was a moment we said, you know what, thanks God, but no thanks. There was a moment in the history of humanity where we said, you know what, God, we know you have a way of doing it, but we think we're going to try it our way. And at that moment, sex was damaged. Some of you are familiar, and this is our last scripture excerpt. Some of you are familiar with this ancient story. Again, please don't read it as a quote-unquote literal descriptor of the story. There are a lot of metaphors and things we need to understand. But in this story of the temptation of humanity, where humanity chooses to do things their own way and say no to God's way, one of the consequences of this, if you look at this last story, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the last sentence is very fascinating. The sentence starting number seven, it says this, then the eyes of both of them, Adam and his wife, when they disobeyed God, when they did things their own way, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, this isn't about like, oh yeah, they all of a sudden didn't know they were naked and they knew they were naked. Like it's, it's not meant to be read that simply. Again, nakedness here is a much more profound sort of nakedness we're talking about. It's, it's about disclosing ourselves fully to the other. It's about being vulnerable. What happens when this disobedience happens and something that later Jesus will call sin enters into our world, what happens is very quickly we realize as human beings that there are malicious intents in our own hearts and in other people's hearts. And that we can't trust each other anymore because something has entered into our lives. Something has entered into humanity where we will begin to hurt each other, 
take advantage of each other, disrespect each other. And so very quickly, right away, this intimacy, this union, this sex we were supposed to have gets distorted and gets damaged. We'll be talking throughout the series, well, what do we do with that? How does God meet us in the midst of that damage? Ultimately, we'll, of course, talk about Jesus, how Jesus came to restore us and change us. But it's important to recognize that here today, that the sexual hurt, damage, destruction that you have faced is not there because of God. It's there because of this great thing called sin and evil that has entered into our world. There is hope. But it's something that God did not and does not want for us today. Let's take a moment, if you will, turn to your table partners again, and for the next few minutes, process some of the things we've said up here. Uh, what are some things you agree with? Some are, what are some things you disagree with? What are some questions perhaps you have? Take about two minutes to do that, and then we'll open it up for a discussion together. So let's, let's take a moment and uh, kind of open up the conversation. Um, yeah, what, what are we thinking about? What, how are we processing uh, this conversation? Anybody want to share with us? Yeah, okay, right away. Let's get, get started. Thank you. Thanks, you. Yeah, yeah. Hi. Um, so statistically, um, my generation and the lower generations, I'm 27, so I'm a millennial, okay. uh, we're having less sex. Mm with than previous generations. Mm. And I think that's related to us not being able to connect with one another. Mm. Um, I, and finding relationships and friendships is becoming harder and harder because we're always on our phones and tweeting yeah. and on Instagram and all of that. Yeah. So it's just harder for us to find yeah. relationships. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jupiter. Let's give it up for Jupiter. Thank you for sharing that, yeah. I think you bring up a, a fascinating thing that we're gonna be exploring this series. Yeah, this idea of like, relationship and how do we actually have healthy relationships and have actual real relationships because that is definitely a part of the process of, of having sex too. Yeah, okay. Other thoughts? What are we thinking about? Yeah. Um, being the age that I am, uh, no, no sex. Um, <laughs> that's my choice. I'm not sure how to interpret Okay. 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 <laughs> it's, it's my choice. Um, my thing is because of the spirit of Jesus that is in me now, I don't need that other intimacy that you get from somebody else. Okay, okay. Thank you for that. Let's give it up for Deborah. Yeah, yeah. That's something to think about for sure. What else? What else are we processing here? Back here, yeah. You don't mind me coming through here? Yeah. Well, I was reading the Ephesians verse, and I thought that if you uh, take um, into consideration the seriousness of marriage, I, I think that that verse sp speaks really to um, 
uh, how important marriage is in, in fulfilling uh, Christ's uh, vision it, because at, through a partnership is how you raise a family, is how you uh, serve in the community, how you buy a home. Uh, you do so many things through the teamwork of marriage. Um, and so I think that, at least for me, I read that verse and I think it's a reference to marriage. Um, but, but in terms of sex specifically, um, I, I, uh, the, the book Ecclesiastics, um, it, it does say that um, uh, one of the ways to really stay righteous is uh, to not be too serious, to not be too moralistic, uh, because then you'll just burn out. And I, I think that's an indirect reference to kind of more human nature and, and like uh, possibly sex and things like that. Thanks, Jose. Let's give it up for Jose. Yeah. I, I think you're right. There, there is much more, there are many more layers to the Ephesians excerpt that, we've, that we haven't talked about. And marriage and all its fascinating descriptors uh, is a part of that. So definitely thank you for bringing that up. And yeah, there, there will be many, there are many other scripture excerpts that will talk about sex. And we get a chance this whole series to take a look at some of those. And so thanks for getting us thinking about those already. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Any other comments that you're processing that you want to share? Okay. Yeah. Over here. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad. Thank you, everyone, for pointing today. Yeah. Like, helping me out here. Um, I think thinking about this conversation, just reading over, I couldn't help but think of the uh, like idea of celibacy or and thinking about maybe, like, um, I, I mean, just thinking about like the brokenness that can happen right through like rape and sexual abuse, like how, at least living out in singleness, right? Like how do we know that making that decision um, is based off of like wanting um, to restrain yourself for God and how much is made of just not wanting to have any physical contact due to brokenness. Yeah. Um, and just wondering maybe like how many people um, who have gone into celibacy have gone for the wrong, have done it for the wrong reasons, um, or for more fear and anxiety rather than yeah. So I'm just thinking about that. Just processing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jenny. Let's give it up for Jenny. Yeah, those, those are good questions. In fact, in the uh, let me just kind of lay out what we're going to be talking about. I'll, I'll do that after this Q and A time. Uh, I'm, I'm going to lay out the next uh, five weeks now and what we're talking about, just so you can understand what how we're going to approach this. Yeah. I think, um, in my experience, the church has kind of ghosted this conversation. So I grew up in a church that, like, if sex was talked about at all, it was like, you shouldn't have it until you're married, and we don't talk about it after then. <laughs> um, but I think that that really robs the community at large of an opportunity to process so many different experiences um, and then have healthy sex lives um, at some point. And yeah, especially because some, it's an area where a lot of people have experienced a lot of different abuse, hurt, um, pain, or just confusion. And so to not have the conversation, I think really, yeah, robs us of that. So I'm excited that we're having the conversation. Cool, thanks, Christine. Yeah, let's give it up for Christina. Thank you, thank you, yeah. Well, let me, let me just kind of lay out what we're gonna be talking about in this series and then kind of give us a challenge to wrap up this first conversation. Uh, a challenge that I hope will carry us into uh, this series in a good way. So today was an intro just to help us begin to understand how sex relates to God and how Jesus comes into the picture. You know, all the scriptures we've looked at, I hope it's something that's going to, you know, be bouncing around in our heads. For the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about the subject of bodies. Bodies. Like, 
how do we understand our bodies? Because obviously sex is something we experience with our bodies, but how do, how do we think about our bodies? How do we feel our, about our bodies? You know, we read here that they were naked and felt no shame. I mean, how many of us have been body shaming ourselves or have felt body shamed by others? We're going to talk about that the first week. I'm going to lead the, the conversation about bodies, and then uh, pretty much after every discussion here, we're going to have a lunch discussion at Panico's just down the way, right? And so we're going to talk about bodies next week, and then the lunch discussion will be on porn, because porn is about quote-unquote bodies. And then the week after Bodies Part 2, we're going to have an all-woman panel to talk about women and bodies. Uh, Christina will be a part of that, actually, uh, which is really cool. Uh, India will be a part of that. A few other people will be a part of that. And so we're going to talk about women and bodies, and then the luncheon will be for women only to talk about women and bodies. Like, how do we think, feel, act, deal with bodies, sex, uh, as women, Okay. Then we go into a two-week discussion on intimacy, intimacy. And the first week, uh, we're going to have uh, Peter Valk. Some of you know him. He's a friend of ours who comes and talks to us. Uh, he's going to be here to talk about this idea of intimacy. The luncheon discussion will be on singleness. Thank you, Jenny, for bringing that up. What does it mean to have intimacy as people who are single? And then part two, we're going to talk about intimacy. I'm going to lead the discussion on intimacy. And then we're going to have a luncheon for married people only to talk about the issue of sex and intimacy in marriage, okay? And then the final conversation, we're going to talk about this idea of boundaries, boundaries and sex. Uh, why are there boundaries? What does it mean to have boundaries with sex? Those sorts of things. And then the final luncheon discussion will be on this whole issue of dating, what does it mean to date well and date in a healthy way as it relates to sex, okay? So I think we're going to have a wonderful time talking about this. This is definitely a series uh, tell people, tell other people in our city about because I think it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. I've already been telling my friends in the, in the city, just say, hey, you know, this is happening, and, and I, I'm excited to see them come, come through. But as we get this series started, here's our challenge, right? The challenge is if we will be open, not just to the talk about sex. I think we're all pretty open to that talk. But are we open to what God may have to say to us about sex? Are we open to the scriptures we've already he read here today that, that sex is something from God that is good? Are we open to how perhaps he may want to give us a different picture of sex? Are we open to the idea that also the scriptures tell us that sex has been damaged? And are we open to how he may want to help us through that damage? And are we open to how sex ultimately points us to a better love, a better union, a better thing? There is something better than sex. Are we open to discovering what that might be?